We are going to wrap up the series here on gifts and operations with the part that we usually start this with, and that's tongues and interpretation. So we skipped over that, and then we got into the uh, the gifts, the ministerial gifts, and then we got back into the operational gifts that we have here. We're going to finish these up and talk about a number of things on this. But in order to understand how tongues is used in church, we must also know how it operates outside of the church and in our own lives because we get misunderstandings on these things. And if we have misunderstandings on how they are to be used in our lives, then we're going to go down the wrong road and have misunderstandings on what we're supposed to do with it in church. So children and adults alike will benefit from knowing what praying and speaking in tongues is and what it does. We will look at this in the in the service here this morning. The um, always good to know you can get to heaven with or without speaking in tongues. Doesn't make you any more ready for heaven. It just helps you in the time down here to be equipped and to do the things that are that are going on. The the, the things that you face. Now I keep saying I was going to give you this, but we finally did here in the last one. There's are the, the three categories of the gifts that we looked at tongues, interpretation of prophecy and the inspirational gifts, the revelation gifts, the word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, and the power gifts, gift of faith, gifts of healing, healings, and the working of miracles. And we spend time on each of these to see where they were in the word, how to differentiate between them. And last week we were talking spe- specifically about each of us needs to be out there every day doing what the word of God tells us to do. If you obey the general commands in the word of God, you will find out what the specific gift that is on you. Because there is something on you. There's at least one, maybe two, maybe three. Something is on you. Don't go through this life not finding out what it is. These are the supernatural gifts that God has given. These are the supernatural weapons that he has given that will pull down strongholds in your lives and the lives of other people. Make sure that you're, you're flowing in these. But let's go over here to 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 1. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries, but he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied, for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. Now, the purpose here, what he's talking about, is the church here in Corinth had gone from a place of worshiping heathen idols and doing the things that the heathen idols would have them do, carrying that over into the church, and they were pursuing the gifts of the Spirit like they pursued things with the heathen idols. And so it was very unorderly. A lot of things were being done that shouldn't have been done, and it was getting in a bad name. People were coming in saying, this isn't of God. They were despising these things. Other people, they just clamored for the stage. They wanted to be up there and, and doing these things to be seen. And it was very chaotic. And that's not what God wanted it to be. Now, he, he doesn't want them to despise tongues and interpretation in church anymore. He wants them to despise prophetic utterances. But if you get into abuses on these, there will be opportunity to despise them. Even uh, even today, if people in the prophet's office begin to get off and do some things, we can begin to despise the office of a prophet. If people that are evangelists get off and begin to do some things that are wrong, 
then people despise the, the gift of uh, evangelism. For a while, that was going on. When Billy Graham came, came along, he kind of revived the evangelist because what happened with evangelists is they often exaggerated what was going on in the meetings. And they were pulled into different types of sins because of all the popularity that they had. And so when Billy Graham came on, he said, we never exaggerate. If anything, we will under-exaggerate. So if 500 people got saved, he'd say 400. He would always say less than there were. He would always bring that number down. Sometimes they would be, if, if 500 people got saved, well, it was 1,500. <laughs> and so people were despising the office because of the abuses that were going on. We're not supposed to despise the office, even though there are people that will that will have some abuses. I think every all the fivefold have been abused in one way or another. We've seen things, some things go on in the area of the pastorate, and some of the things that they had done or fallen into. You can despise any office because of the wrong things that are going on, but that doesn't mean that the things that are God intended for the office or the gift are still there and need to be had. When the gifts of healings were in operation in Jesus' ministries, and He had them plural. He would face a group of sick people and all of them would get well. That's pretty cool. That's what we want to walk into. But it's, you need the gifts. There are things that you will gain in the area of just natural faith. And we, we showed you some things over the last couple of weeks how powerful that can be. But there are sometimes that there's hindrances in people's lives and these gifts God has given to help get past some of those hindrances. So we need to make sure that we we let them go on. But he who speaks in a tongue, it says in verse 2, does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. This chapter confuses people because of some of the ways that Paul is talking about tongues. And if you don't go, if you don't go back and forth with his line of thinking and follow the train of thought, you get the wrong application for the wrong type of tongues. And so if I can um, jump on ahead here a little bit, I gave you several kinds of tongues that there are. There's tongues for personal edification. This is tongues that is for you. This is to build you up. It is not understood by me. I speak it. It is for my edification, but I don't understand it. You're not supposed to. You don't have to. It's understood by God. The reason that God put this into the body and the reason that you can pray and build up yourself in the area of of tongues is because you are limited in your prayer life to what you know. All you can pray is what you know. If you get to pray outside of what you know, then either you're going to pray wrong or you're going to pray without faith. You're going to do one or the other. You're going to pray wrong or you're going to pray without faith. Because I can't pray for what I don't have knowledge of because I don't have faith for it. Not faith based on the Word of God. I have faith based on what Sister Sue or or Brother Joe or whoever else said something. And I may have faith in that, but that's not faith in God's Word. In order to have the God kind of faith that Jesus talks about, we have to have faith in God's word, not faith in what someone else said God did for them. So I have to have the knowledge of the word of God. That will take me along the the path. But you see, when you get to praying in tongues, you're going beyond your knowledge and tapping into the knowledge of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit will speak through you and you can begin to, to, to pray in tongues. When in the book of Acts... When people got born again, they said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became, when you got saved? Paul asked that question. I believe it was in Acts chapter 19. Did you receive the Spirit when you received Jesus Christ, when you got saved? And they said, no, we didn't know there was such a thing as the Holy Spirit. And so he prayed for them and they received healing. 
they received healing. I'm sorry, they received the, the Spirit of God right then and spoke with other tongues. This is something that went on. You have to have faith to believe for this. The Holy Spirit does not come upon you and make you speak in tongues. He won't do that. He didn't come upon you to make you pray the prayer of salvation. He's not going to come upon you to pray this. Jesus said in his ministry, These signs shall follow them that believe. They shall pray with new tongues. They shall speak with new tongues. You will be able to do this, but I have to have faith in the Word of God and begin to speak some things. Well, I don't understand that. Of course you don't. But see, this is a hang-up for a lot of people, and it's why we went into all those, uh, what was it, a decade or so? People just tarrying, tarrying meetings. Everybody coming, we're just waiting for the Holy Spirit to do something. The tarrying was in the book of Acts, waiting for the Holy Spirit to get here. He's here. <laughs> we don't have to wait anymore. He's here. You have to have by faith receive what it is that he's doing. But if you will pray in the Spirit, you can go beyond what it is that you know and pray what God is, is, is uh, doing in your life. Now, when you were young, let me ask you this, this. Let me put it to you this way. How many are doing what they envisioned themselves doing when they were young? How many are doing right now? What, when I was a kid, five years old, this is what I saw myself doing. How many are doing that? When you were a kid, five years old, you were doing, we got one person. All right. Most of us, when we were little, were confused in where we were going to go. In fact, some people went to college, got a degree in a particular field, and then went out and did something else. They went in a different direction because we didn't have clarity on those particular things. But the Spirit of God has complete clarity on where He's taking you, where your life is going to go. He has total and complete clarity on this, this whole thing. He will get you there. So when you pray in tongues, I am praying things for my future that I do not know, but the prayer is good because it is inspired by the Holy Spirit, not by me. And that's why you take, you spend time to go and to pray in the, in the Spirit. But in the church in Corinth, people were taking that ability to pray in tongues and bringing it in the church and standing up and basically just praying in tongues. But there was no purpose behind it. Nothing came from it. There was no understanding in the church. Tongues for personal edification. This is for you to pray yourself. The Word of God says you pray mysteries. These are things that are not yet revealed. Not things that are not, not intended to be revealed. Things that are not yet revealed. There's a difference. God does not say, I don't ever intend to reveal these things to you. He said they have not been revealed yet. But the Holy Spirit knows them and He can pray them for me. So, there's tongues for personal edification. There's tongues for interpretation. This is done in church. This is for church. This is interpreted. The tongue that is given is interpreted by the speaker or sometimes another person in the church would interpret it. But it must be understood by the church in order to have benefit. Because if I, if I say words in church and no one understands them, what good is it? No one has benefited from it. If I pray in tongues, what he's saying is you're edified because you are praying the prayer of edification in tongues to God. Between you and God, you're edified, but no one else is, is uh, brought in on this. It doesn't belong in church. Now, back in their day, they didn't have uh, microphones. They, uh, you know, when they had church, they just talk loud. <laughs> That's how you did, you did it. We've uh, we've told people just to just to avoid confusion that if you're up on stage. And if you want to sing in the Spirit, if you want to, to pray in the Spirit, just pull the microphone away. So you've ever seen anybody up on stage doing that, we just pull the microphone away. Because if we're amplifying it, the purpose for amplifying it is for people to hear it. 
But if we're not speaking a message that is to be interpreted, there's really no reason for them to hear. That's why we tell them to just pull that away. Not saying that if they had an utterance they give, that that wouldn't be on a microphone. Now, he does say later on in here that one person needs to interpret. Don't let there be competition and interpretations. Well, I got an, well, I got another interpretation. Well, I like my interpretation better. We don't need that kind of a battle going on. Not everyone, even those usually spiritual, is always in tune with what the Spirit is doing. How many of you can attest to that in your life? You're generally in tune with what the Spirit is doing, then all of a sudden something happened. Boy, I did not see that one. I did not, I was not seeing that God was going in this direction, but that's the direction He went in. And don't feel that, well, that's a failure on my part. Don't feel that way. Just, well, I didn't get that one. <laughs> Just go with it. Now, a carnal walk, if you're walking carnally, that kind of a mindset, that will detract from what God can do through you. Get away from that. So we have tongues for personal vacation, tongues for interpretation, and tongues in a known tongue, uh, known language. This is for the unsaved. When he's talking about tongues for the unsaved, he is not talking about tongues where we speak to God. How does that minister to the unsaved? If the unsaved hears me praying in tongues in a language that I don't understand, they don't understand, how is that ministered anything to them? What we do is we go back into the book of Acts and we find out that when they came out of the upper room that they were speaking in tongues and every person heard them what? In their own language. So here it was that they were speaking. Remember, there's 120 people in that room and they all came out. So one person may hear one person speaking their dialect. If someone is speaking English, don't you hear that over someone else speaking Chinese or Japanese or German or some other language you don't know? You're going to tune into the one that you understand and you're going to hear that one. Now, sometimes people will put the interpretation. I can't say that they're wrong. I'm just saying that I think it goes more the other way. But some people say that when they gave the utterance, that the hearing is where the miracle was, that each one heard them in their own language. And that could be. But um, more often than not, we saw the, in Scripture that people said something that was not a language they knew. It was a language that was known. It was not a language that they knew. They spoke out the message. The person who knew the language heard it. I've heard cases of this, people testifying about this, that people got up, spoke in a language, and even had the, the dialect and the accent right. Inspired by God. And somebody got up in the church and said, and uh, how did he know? <laughs> and see, that was a witness to someone who's unsaved because that person doesn't know my language. How did they speak that message to me? And God has that message right, right there for them. Well, that's a sign to the unbeliever. The rest of the people in church didn't get anything out of that. That's okay. That was a sign for the unbeliever. And the rest of the church got blessed by it because they saw the unbeliever got ministered to, probably got saved, whatever it might be. These are the things that uh, that can go on. And you probably heard some testimonies in this area as well. But this is tongues that is a known language. It's for the unsaved. So we're not talking about prayer language tongues as a as a sign to unsaved people. That's not a sign. It's a sign that you're nuts. It's a nine that to them, they see that as, well, you guys are crazy. Why are you speaking off in this language? It does not make sense to the natural mind. They're not going to understand that. Don't try and get them. But if you got up and spoke, and you know, I have a German last name, but I don't speak any German. I don't like, I don't like many languages. I don't even like English. I don't. I, I like Greek. 
Greek is good. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't like the other ones. But, um, you know, if, if, if I got up and, and spoke something, and to me, it was an unknown tongue. But to someone who spoke German or somebody who spoke Spanish or somebody who spoke some other language, they heard it in their own language, and I'm speaking that language. I don't know it. To me, I'm just speaking in an unknown tongue like I pray in an unknown tongue. To me, it seems the same. Maybe the syllables sound different, but it seems the, the same. Here's the, the fourth one, intercession, to bring about things. Now, notice this. I said intercession to bring about things. Sometimes people like to teach that through tongues we birth things. Anybody ever heard? Don't raise your hand. Anybody ever heard that? They use the term birth things, but that implies that your labor and travail are involved and in, uh, very important. That without your labor and travail, the thing wouldn't happen. Your effort added to God is nothing. You cannot help God do something. What God needs is an avenue to work through. He's going to bring it about. He just needs an avenue. Don't think that you have to, well, I had to pray really hard. I had to pray. I had to do certain things in order to make that happen. No, don't, don't, don't think so highly of yourself. Just understand, God is able to do it, but He needs someone to work through. He needs somebody who's going to make this prayer, somebody who's going to do uh, this thing. And so you get into that area of intercession, and you begin to speak some of these things. I heard a story, uh, Brother Hagin uh, tells a, a, a few different stories on, on some of these. One of them, I believe it was somebody that he knew. It was not, a, was not himself. But he knew this particular story. It was a, I believe it was a pastor and his wife. And they were woken up in the middle of the night to, they felt like somebody's life was in danger. And so they set out to pray for this particular, they they didn't know who. They just, they knew someone's life was in danger. And so they began to pray. Well, if you don't know who you're praying for and you don't know what you're praying for, how are you going to pray in English? What are you praying for? We, we don't know. And so they just set out to just pray in the spirit. And they prayed in the spirit for, for a while. And, um, after a while, you know, they were, this is late at night. And so after a while, they were, they were praying and the, the husband went back to sleep and she just kept on, on going for the watch. She just didn't feel a, a complete release. They felt like they'd done some things, but didn't feel a complete release. If God can tell you it's time to pray, He can also tell you it's time to stop. Doesn't that make sense? If he tells you it's time to pray, it doesn't mean you just keep on praying until whatever. There's a, there's a spot where it's, we got it. We got, we got it done. And so she kept on praying and I guess she got uh, loud enough and she was going, woke him up. And so he got up and they, the two of them began to pray again about it. And, uh, he, he felt a little bit of a release in it. She didn't feel complete. He went to sleep again and she kept on going. And so he, she got loud enough again and uh, that he woke up again third time. And so they, they uh, both began to pray and they said, look, we're just, we're not getting the complete release on this thing. How about if we pray that God tells the person whose life is in danger, either through a dream or through whatever means that he would do, that uh, their life is in danger and to, to warn them. So they thought that would be good. So they prayed along that way. And then they both went to sleep. Well, you know, they've been up most of the night now. So they were they were sleeping in. And I think it was about eight o'clock in the morning. And there was a, uh, 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 not sure, someone in the church. They had a job and they worked on a particular line. And there's some danger aspect to it. And so when he got into work, 
they uh, they said, well, Joe couldn't make it in today, but we need somebody to get up on the whether the high ladder thing was and uh, and to do this thing. And so they asked this man who was a member of the church if he would do it. And he said, uh, nope, I won't do it. He said, well, why won't you do it? He said, I had a dream last night. In that dream last night, Joe didn't make it to work. You came over and asked me to take his spot. I took his spot. I climbed up on a ladder. Not more than five minutes into that, a cable snapped, took my head off, my head landed down here on the ground. Well, another man got up and, and he went to a different church. He was still a Christian. He went to a different church. And he got up and he said, um, I'm not superstitious. I'll do it. And so he climbed up on the ladder. He started doing the work. Five minutes into it, cable snapped, took his head off. It hit the man in the back who said, I won't go up. And he was dead. Now, if you wonder, well, how come he's a churchgoer? How come that didn't happen for him? Well, he didn't listen. Now, first off, he had the pastor and his wife. They were praying in the spirit for the thing. And what they asked for had, had occurred. He had the dream. Well, the other man decided not to put any any stock into that. And he just went up and, and disobeyed it. That's why, uh, who's a brother Creflo? The church you go to, it's a life or death matter. Now, you see, in a lot of times, people, they know about the power of praying in tongues. They know that it's a good thing to be able to do. But. Sometimes we, we've moved away, we got into a place and tongues wasn't the uh, emphasis and we kind of just wandered away from it. And I used to pray in tongues all the time. Now I can't remember the last time I prayed in tongues. And uh, like I said, you're still saved. That has nothing to do with, tongues has absolutely nothing to do with your salvation. It has everything to do with making life down here better. That's all. God just wants you to be able to make life down here stronger and better. And so these are things that he gave us to be able to do. Now, we see in the Bible that tongues is used for prayer. This is one of the things we see that tongues is used for. It is taught and it's experienced. We see the experience referred to. Paul refers to himself praying in tongues more than everyone. But we see that tongues for use in prayer is taught and the experience is referred to. A known tongue spoken by someone who didn't know the language is taught and it's also demonstrated. We see it demonstrated in the book of Acts, but it's also taught that this will go on. But tongues in church with interpretation is taught. Paul teaches is that. And the wrong uses are referred to. You know that we never have a correct use of tongues and interpretation in the church, in the Bible. Isn't that interesting? We have the wrong use of it. When he corrected them in, in Corinthians, he taught them what they should do with it. But we don't have a, a church service. We have church services with healing services going on. We have church services with uh, people getting saved going on. We have church services with the Word of God being taught. We have all kinds of examples of things going on in church services, but we don't have a church service where someone got up, gave an utterance in tongues, and somebody else... Uh, Gave the interpretation. We do that in churches because of what Paul taught, not because of what was demonstrated. So we have to make sure that we understand what he taught correctly. 
Now, where do I leave off at? Verse 6. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? See, unless, unless you understand the things that are being said, there, there's, a, there's no help there. If you went to school, how many, how many people went to college? All right. If you went to college and you were paying, because in college you pay for the course. I mean, you actually got to lay out the money for this, this thing. You pay for the course and you sat down and the professor got up and began to speak and teach in Japanese. And that would be fine if you understood Japanese, but if you don't understand Japanese, are you going to get anything out of that class? No. You'd be right on down to the, to the office. Hey, how come I signed up for this class? I don't understand Japanese. How am I going to learn anything? Uh, how am I going to pass the test? Because if he's speaking Japanese, more than likely, what's the test in? Japanese. <laughs> Japanese. <laughs> if you don't understand it, then you're not going to be able to get there. Even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? And ever heard somebody take up the trumpet? New? How distinct are the sounds? Even even worse, the violin. How hard is it to listen to a violin when the sounds are not distinct? No, I love the violin. Uh, that's one of my favorite orchestral um, instruments that they play. My With symphonies, right up there are violin concertos. I love a good violin concerto. And, and Haydn, anybody know who Haydn, who Haydn is? Yeah, a couple people. He has a cello concerto. Oh, man, I can sit there and listen to that all day. Just keep putting it on repeat. Just listen to it again. Boy, is it ever beautiful. But you see, those are distinct sounds. If somebody played that cello, if somebody played that violin in a sloppy way, couldn't make the distinct sounds, we wouldn't be saying, oh, beautiful music. We'd be saying, oh, oh, turn it off. Turn it, make it stop. <laughs> we need the distinct sounds. Now, sometimes people come out and they they have taught something and it seems like you have a foundation of the word. You have probably heard this term used before. Prophesy on your instrument. Now, see, that's unbiblical. Because right there in this scripture, what has to happen in order for it to be prophesied? I have to understand it. I don't speak violin. I don't know about you. I don't speak violin. I enjoy violin, but I don't speak it. I don't speak trumpet. I don't speak piano. I can, underst- I can understand the, the music that comes from it, but I can't understand the words. Those are not words that I, I understand. In order for prophecy or tongues and interpretation to have a benefit, there has to be an understanding. I can't prophesy on an instrument. It doesn't mean you cannot be inspired by God to play an instrument. It does not mean you cannot be inspired by God to play a song that you didn't have. A few moments ago. You can be inspired. That's not prophesy. Don't downplay the word prophesy. Prophesy is to speak. Edification. Comfort. Exhortation. These are the things we speak. With it. And there have to be words that are understood. Don't downplay it. There's still something good there. But just don't call it by the wrong name. Because then we make the, 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 the right thing. You know, it's, it's kind of like what they do any, anymore. Whenever they want to get something through. People in government. They redefine something. They just redefine it. And then by, by redefining it, we make it be whatever it is we want. If we don't want you to like, we make it into something that you don't like. 
I know the big term that they're, they're talking about right now, uh, at least uh, what I hear is, is packing the court. And so they redefined it some time ago to be packing the court is putting your people in place of other people's courts. So you put a liberal in place of a conservative or a conservative in place of a liberal. That's packing the court. That's not packing the court. They redefined it. Now, the same people want to redefine it today, defined it differently 10 years ago. Defined it differently longer than that when they were trying to, to do all those, those kind of things. But see, this is what they do. They'll take a term, redefine it, educate you on that new, new definition, and then they can make you either hate it or love it. I've heard this, you know, over and over again, the term American exceptionalism. Anybody ever heard that term? Now, depending upon who you heard define it, you may hate it, you may love it. Just depends on who you heard define it. Because what happens is some people in the politics, they came on out and says, I'm sure that people in Belgium think they're exceptional. I'm sure that people in China think they're exceptional. Let me get, you know, putting all this. American exceptionalism is, is not that Americans are better than anyone else. American exceptionalism is simply this, and this is the definition of it. The definition of American exceptionalism is no other nation in the history of mankind has consistently put the blood of their people on the line to defend other people. No time in history has a nation ever freed another country and given their control back to them. Never in history has that happened. Never in history has a nation been wealthy enough to be able to answer the call and disasters across the globe and send their resources over to help them and ask for nothing in return? No time in history has a nation been so sold out to liberty as America has been. In fact, Ronald Reagan called, called us a lighthouse for liberty. Now that's American exceptionalism. That's not saying that Americans are better because America is made up of people from all over the world. That's meaning that this country has done things that no other country has done ever in the history of things. Other people freed folks, but then they said, now you're ours. Now you belong to us. That's what American exceptionalism is. But you see, they just redefine it and then make you hate it. Don't let people redefine a term. Find out what that term means. Find out what that term is intended for. And, and then decide then whether you like it or not. But see, people will, will redefine what prophecy is. Don't let them redefine it. The Word of God tells you what prophecy is. Prophecy involves understanding. If I don't understand it, it's not prophecy. For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, verse 8, who will prepare for battle? So likewise you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world and none of them is without significance. In other words, all of them are good. They're all very, very different. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. You need to benefit. If you're going to get up in church and give an utterance in tongues, then you need to pray, God, give me the interpretation of that thing so that I can benefit the church. That should be the, that should be the benefit. But he says it's even better if you just come out and prophesy something. That's just, that's equivalent to, to tongues and interpretation. 
So let's um, let's go on here. Verse 14. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. Whose spirit prays? Did you notice that it did not say the Holy Spirit prays? Let me read it for you again. For if I pray, who prays? If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. You see, it's the Holy Spirit who gives the unction. Doesn't give you the words. Doesn't, doesn't make your, your tongue form words. My spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. I don't know what it is that I'm praying. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit. I will pray with the understanding. You can't just go off and pray in the tongues all the time and grow. You see, you cannot have faith in what you pray in tongues because I don't know what I prayed. But when I say, Father God, I thank you that this, I ask for this, I can have faith in that. My faith won't grow if all I'm doing is speaking in tongues. Other things, my spirit is edified. There's other things that it will accomplish in your life, but not that particular thing. And I need to exercise my faith. You need to, to pray all always. I will I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. When was the last time that you're driving in the car that you sang in the Spirit? <laughs> I say in the car because you know, no one else is around. I will sing with the Spirit and I will also sing with the understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks since he does not understand what you say? Apparently, you can give thanks in tongues. Isn't that what he's saying? For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. How many of you think that means that Paul doesn't respect speaking in tongues? Some people want to teach that he did. Not that he did not respect speaking in tongues. But he said, I speak in tongues more than you all. But apparently that wasn't in church. So where did he speak in tongues? On his own? Praying? Maybe he's walking from one town to another? Probably. Whatever it might be, he found time to do it. Brother Higgin used to also teach us, he said, if you want to walk in the gifts of the Spirit more, pray in tongues more. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all, yet in a church I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice be babes, but in understanding be matured. In other words, somebody ought to be able to speak to you things of malice and you just smile. You know, if you go up to a little baby, you know, Lumi, she doesn't understand everything yet. If you went up to a little Lumi and you told her, man, you are ugly today. First off, you'd probably get hit by by the papa and the pup-up. <laughs> but if you were to do that, what would what would the baby do? smile at you, especially if you did it in a nice voice, you know, did a nice voice, man, they'd be smiling, if you did it in a harsh and a mean voice, even if you say, man, you were the most beautiful thing in the world, if you say it in a mean voice, you're going to cry, I made Lumi cry the other day, we were upstairs in a non-baby proof room, for some reason, the kids decided to play in the floor, because it was slick floor, and they could ice skate as they put it, so we're up there ice skating, and the baby Lumi is crawling around on the floor. 
and I'm up there with them watching two, you know, doing the ice skating, and then Baby Lumi's just kind of just moving around on there. Well, all of a sudden, she made a beeline for the outlet. Now, see, in most of the other places in the in the house, we have the outlet covers put in so that, you know, the baby can't stick to But we're not usually in this room. So we're in that room, and she's making it. She's reaching up, and I'm laying on the ground doing messing with some stuff with the with the kids, and I see her reaching over there. So I made a mad dash to scurry over and grab her from that. Now, that scared her. <laughs> and she started crying. But, you know, we endured that because we had to, had to save those, those things. But you see, as, as far as malice is concerned, don't worry about it, what people say about you. Just smile. Just be like a babe. Yeah. <laughs> just smile and go on. People get offended all the time and get, just don't worry about it. People sometimes get afraid because they say, well, people's words, they'll, they'll harm me. Well, Jesus wasn't, wasn't afraid of their words. But he spoke powerful words. But you could say anything you want to about Jesus. He's not gonna, he's not gonna care. Those words didn't have power. They don't have power unless you take them on. Unless you start believing them. Just don't believe them. So in, in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. In other words, as a Christian, it is your duty to grow. You are not to stay immature. Man, this learning stuff, I'd rather not learn all this. I'd rather just listen to those messages, you know, that lift you up and they make you feel good. And then just, just, uh, I don't want these ones that make me learn, make me do stuff, make me be responsible for things. I don't like all that. It is your job to grow and mature. In fact, if we don't do it, it doesn't mean that it's not our job. It doesn't mean that God is not looking for us to grow and mature. Remember Paul writes to the Corinthians? You should be eating meat. Instead, here you are still on some milk. You should have grown. In the law it is written, With men of other tongues and other lips I will speak to this people, and yet for all that they will not hear me, says the Lord. Therefore tongues are for a sign not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. Tongues are a sign not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. Again, we went over over some of that with you. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues, and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you are out of your mind? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced, convinced by all, he is convicted by all, and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed, and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. Because he understood what was being said. Now, why should I pray in tongues? There's some benefits for me. Praying in tongues benefits me. You will be benefited from it. And indirectly others. Not really God. Except God benefits somewhat by us, by us growing. But praying in tongues benefits me and indirectly others. Because if I get built up, if I get better, then I'm able to help more people. Now, many believers just pray in tongues a lot of time. Well, I got an hour into praying in tongues. Well, did it do you any good? Don't just log time. We have to have, we should have more purpose than that. There ought to be purpose behind what you're doing with praying in tongues. Now, this form of prayer, praying in tongues, is not used anywhere in the Bible. I just, I didn't have to give you the blanket. But the, this form of prayer is not used against the devil or things. 
You cannot pray in tongues against the devil. Because if you're praying in tongues, you're praying to whom, according to the Bible? To God. How in the world did people get this idea that you're praying against the devil with tongues? And I have that term. It sounds really good. It's garbage. Warring tongues. Ever heard that one? Warring tongues. No! We don't go to war with tongues. We go to word with the, go to war with the spoken word of God. Not with tongues. We don't speak to the devil with tongues. We speak mysteries to God. But you see, the devil loves to corrupt these things because now he's got y'all out there instead of doing what you're supposed to be doing with the prayer of tongues, you're over there battling him. He says, that doesn't do a thing for me. <laughs> tongues are an effective help when I don't know the will of God. How many, how many people are here today that you've, in the last week, you've had a prayer, pray something, but you weren't quite sure what the will of God was? Anybody? A couple people. See, tongues is for that. God, I don't know what your will is for this. I want to know, but I don't know exactly what your will is. I can pray in, pray in tongues, pray in the Spirit, because I don't know the will of God. He, the Spirit of God knows, but I just cert- certainly said by my direction, I'm praying on this thing, but I don't know what your will is. I don't know how to pray for this individual. I don't know how to pray for this job. I don't know how to pray for whatever the situation is. Another, I don't know the Word of God. There's still a whole lot of the Word of God we don't know yet. We're learning. Always learning the Word. Like it's turned on for some things. But I don't know that Word just yet. But the Spirit of God does. He can help me when we pray. That's what the Word of God says. That the Spirit comes and takes together with us. He partners with us. He comes alongside of us. And helps us. You know, when if you're going to go out there and move. If... Uh, if we're going to be out there and say that guy and I were going to, he, guy calls me up and says, uh, I need help moving a piano. I'm, I'm not sure, I'm not, may not be the person that you call for that. <laughs> but let's just pretend I was bigger. <laughs> you know, maybe Ernest was busy. He looks like he could lift the piano by himself. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe we'll have to put that to, to the test sometime. But if he called me up and said, uh, come on over here and, and uh, help me move this piano. And I come on over and I get a hold of the one side and he just stands over there and watches me. What, what am I going to do? Well, hold on a minute. You didn't, you didn't ask me to come over here and move the piano. You asked me to come over and help. That means we come and we take together with. <laughs> the Holy Spirit doesn't take over. He comes together and he helps you. That's his, his role. He's going to, to help you with that. There's still a part of it that you've got to do. Here's the third one. Tongues are an effective help when I don't know the way to pray. I don't know how to pray for this situation. I don't know what's going on. There was a, um, there's a situation Brother Hagin, uh, had shared with us that, um, I believe this was somebody in his church and all of a sudden at, at this particular time in the morning, he and his wife had an urgency to pray, but they didn't know what they were praying for. And so they just prayed in the Spirit. That's all they knew to do. They prayed in the Spirit for uh, for a while. And then just as soon as that burden came on them, it, it stopped. And they knew they had the victory. And so they stopped praying. They still don't know what they were praying for. 
And so later on, the, it was, I think it was a few hours later, they got a call from somebody in the church and they said, uh, oh, my, my father, he works over at, he named the place that he worked at, and uh, there was an explosion at the plant. Big fire came out. And 17 workers were trapped inside. They don't know if they're alive or dead. They're trying to put the fire out first before they can go through and, and try and find them. And so as soon as he heard that, Brother Hagen said to the person who had answered the phone, I think his wife answered the phone, and he said, don't worry about it, they're fine. Because he knew at that point, in his spirit, he knew that's what we were praying for. And we already prayed it through and got the victory. See, at the time the explosion went on is when they were hit with the burden to pray and an urgency. And they prayed until they got that release. But they still don't know what they were praying for. And sure enough, they got the fire out. Some hours later, they're going through. They didn't know what, what they would find. They went on through and found all 17 men in one, one spot, all safe and sound. See, you, you may not know how to pray, but that's okay. The Spirit does. And if we're in a situation, I don't know what to pray. I don't know how to pray. The Spirit of God comes along with us and, and helps us to be able to do that. And He will do this. What a powerful tool to be able to use. Now, tongues are no substitute for study. Understand that. Study is still going to bring understanding of God's Word. You are still commanded by the Word of God to study the Word. Studying the Word brings understanding of God's Word, which gives me understanding of God's will. And I need that understanding. Keep going after it. So, when I hear about a situation calling for prayer, I use my understanding to gain wisdom in the way to pray. And He'll help you with that. Now go back over here, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. And he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. There, For there to be a benefit... There must be understanding on the part of the hearer in order for there to, to be a benefit to me. But God can use me and have me pray over these, like Brother Hagin did on these situations, and they didn't know there wasn't that understanding, but God was able to use them to benefit other people and to help them. Now it says that he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. That word edified is to build, basically build a home or a building. They use this word for building a home or a building. You are building something. You are building something up. There is a edification. There is encouragement in this. You are made stronger. Edification would seem to be a primary purpose of tongues. This will be greatly helping you. He said, I wish that all spoke with tongues. Tongues will benefit every believer. Not every believer will go after it. That's, they're still a believer. They're, they're still in the family. Don't hate on anybody because, well, they don't speak in tongues. I don't like that. Are they born again? Are they saved? Glory to God. Get some fellowship where you can. But the enemy is constantly going to be trying to push you away from praying this way or that's all you do. That's all you. If I can't get you to stop, that's all you're going to do is pray in tongues. But Paul said, I pray with the Spirit, I pray with the understanding. I've got to pray in both ways. You cannot just throw 
one out to get to the other. Now, what should I see in my life as far as an increase is concerned? What kind of things are going to increase for me? First off, and I, I didn't have any room for your outline. You can write these down if you wish to. First off, there will be truths that are revealed. Truths will be revealed. There are times when I am studying something in Scripture and I know there's something more. Have you ever been there with the Scripture? You know, I know there's something more here. I know it. You're, you're getting to that place. You're almost ready for a breakthrough. I know there's something more, but you're not quite getting it. Well, I go away and I pray in the Spirit for a while. And I'll tell you, more revelations has come to me. As I go away and I pray in the Spirit. Sometimes while I'm praying, it comes to me. Sometimes I get up from that and go back and, and begin to look at it again. Ah, oh, now I see it. My eyes are opened. Truth will be revealed. Again, it won't take the place of study. You still got to study. Second, you'll have more effective prayers. Because where you don't know, the Spirit of God takes over. Truth will be revealed. Your your prayers will be more effective. I'm going to grow into knowing the Father more. That's one thing that will come from this. Because my relationship, my fellowship with Him is going to be more intense. I'll have greater wisdom. Because I'm growing in things. I'm being built up and being edified. Now, if you don't gain some of these things from your time praying in tongues, you may just be logging time. You need to make a change on it. You need to set yourself out on a purpose. Why are you praying in tongues? Well, I don't know. No, you need... Why are you here? Well, I'm praying for this situation with brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so. I don't know what they're facing and I don't know how to pray. Well, now you know what you're praying for and you, you pray for that thing and you pray. But understand, down in your spirit, just as you got a burden to pray, there will be a release. It's over. Once you get that release, don't keep praying. Get up. Now, the devil will keep trying to... No, you stay down there. You keep praying. That's trying to get you into an area of unbelief. It's not done. If God shows you the thing is done, get up. Get up and go about. Do something else. It's time to move on. Nope, I got that answer. Know what you're praying for. I pray in tongues for edification to edify myself, not others. But I can pray in tongues to intercede or to somehow stand in a gap for other people. Now, I, want you, I don't think I've, I left this in your outline. I think I had to take it out. But the scriptures do not associate power with praying in tongues. The scriptures do not associate power with praying in tongues. The only power that is gained in me is through edification. As I am built up, that power can increase. But praying in tongues, there's no power associated in the Word of God with the praying in the tongues. There is something between me and the Father. But the power going out to the world is different. Don't try and... Uh, don't mix that up. When I pray over other people, there's a prayer of faith that's there. And for that, you ought to be praying in, in English. If, I, if somebody comes up to me and says, I want prayer for healing in a particular area, and all I do is lay hands on them and pray in tongues, what good am I doing? I can't have faith with that. I don't know what I said. When Peter and John came to the beautiful gate and they reached down and said, silver and gold I don't have, but such as I have I give unto you. Arise and walk. And they grabbed him by the hand and, they, and he leaped up. Well, they understood what he said. 
But if he just went out there and, and prayed in tongues, there wouldn't have been that understanding. If Jesus would have just prayed in tongues over the ten lepers, instead of saying, go show yourself to the priest, what would have happened? Praying in tongues is not a magic wand. Don't just pray in tongues and I wave a magic wand over things and things just get better. Determine what type of praying you need and if praying in tongues is involved, then pray in tongues. Many people don't do this, but they follow an example that's set by other people, whether that example is right or whether that example is wrong. I don't ever compare that example to the Word of God. Did people do this? Our understanding of spiritual blessings puts natural issues like this to rest. We want to make sure that we put these, these down. Now, if I would have had room, I would have written this down here for you, but I had to, had to keep, take this out. So I want you to keep this in mind. This is something that's, that's real important for you to get. Worry is future oriented. How many have ever heard people pray and their prayers sound like worry? I'll say you, Oh God, I, I feel like I'm going down. I don't see there's any hope. I don't see. That's worry. That's worry right in your prayers. You don't need that. Worry is future-oriented. Guilt is past-oriented. Worry is future-oriented. Guilt is past-oriented. All designed to keep you out of the present. God is a present tense God. He's not God of the past. He's not God of the future. He is God of the present. He says that to them. He is not the God of the dead. He is the God of the living. He, his name for himself was I am. Not I was and not I will be. I am. We've re referred to a few times, Brother Fred Price, his teaching on faith is future? No. Faith is past? No. Faith is what? Now. Oh, I love his explanation of that. Every time I hear him go, oh, teach that again. That is just absolutely wonderful. Faith is now. Faith is present tense. I believe I have it when? Now. Whether I see it or not makes no difference. I believe I have it now because God is a present tense God. And the enemy is always trying to get you to be future tense. Worry about what's not here yet. Be anxious about what hasn't happened. He wants you to be past tense and feel guilty because of what you didn't do before. What you, how you let God down. How you didn't do these things. Whatever it might be. He's got you trapped in the past. He's got you trapped in the future. Whatever way. Just so you are not in the present. Because that's where God is. When you start to pray in tongues, you are in the present. That's present tense praying. I am praying what is now. I can pray in the future, but there's no worrying about it. When I pray the future the way God tells me, that future is now. God sees me as things future now. Isn't that good? What a good God we have. He sees what I have going on future now. He saw Abraham as justified by faith that Jesus Christ wouldn't accomplish for a few more thousand years. He saw it done now. Because our God is a present tense God. He's in touch with all points of time, past, present, and future, as though it is one day.
We can't relate to that. But the devil knows this. That's why he's trying to get you. Worry. Get into yourself in the future. You can't change that. Guilt. Get you in the past. That's why people are psychiatrists. There's some good ones out there, but there's some bad ones. They always want to dig up something in the past. Oh, you had issues with this and you, you probably just won't ever overcome, overcome that. No. That's not how our God is. You may have issues in the past. You may find out some things. Oh, I didn't realize that had gone on. And I know some people may have some buried things that are just weighing them down. Once you get them out in the open, get rid of them. Be a present tense person. Worry is future oriented. Guilt is past oriented. All designed to keep you out of the present where your power is. Faith is now. It's present tense. When you walk in it this way, your result is peace. You will have the peace of God that passes all understanding. This is what's going to guard you. This is what's going to be on you. Worry takes you out of it. Guilt takes you out of it. Stay right here in the present. Now, if you have never prayed in tongues, if you never got baptized in the Spirit, you can. You don't have to go another day. You can be baptized in the Spirit right now today. All you need is faith that it will happen. When when the enemy got the church into where uh, going into the direction of tarrying, tarrying wait. Well, see that's not present tense. You can't have faith for that. That's why they didn't receive, because they're always future tense. They're tarrying. They're waiting. Faith is now. When you come to God, believe that those things that you ask for, He gives to you. Jesus even Himself teaches, if the Son comes and asks. For a loaf of bread, does the Father give him a, a stone? Will he give him all these other things that are not, not bent? No, he won't do that. Your Father gives good gifts to those who ask. How much more will he give the Spirit to him who asks, he says. These are things that are ours. These are things that are for us. God wants us to have them. Now, like I said, you can go through your entire life and never pray in the Spirit and be saved on your way to heaven. Have victory in a lot of different areas. This is not the only way to victory. This is just an easier way to get some things done. Because there are some things I don't know how to pray. And when I pray in the Spirit, I trans, I, I go beyond my understanding. And the Holy Spirit helps me. Now I'm going to grow my understanding so I understand that. <laughs> I don't want to always be ignorant. I want to get to a place where I understand that. And, and grow in it. Would you all stand up with me? If you're here today and you have never prayed in the Spirit, never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, then you desire to be. Come on up here to the front. We're going to lay hands on you. If you already are and just haven't been, been praying in the Spirit much, just kind of got out of the habit, you don't need to be the heads, hands laid on you again. You're already there. The Spirit of God's already in you. Just stir it up. Just get out there and make that commitment. We've been talking to you, uh, some time ago we talked to you about making the you know, you're, you're, the first thing you set your eyes on is the Word of God. Make sure before you read emails, before you read news, before you read whatever it is that you might be reading, get out your Word of God. Read your chapter. We got a chapter we read every day. Read your chapter. Read something. Get into the Word of God and have that be the first thing. But find time. Father God, I'm going to commit. I haven't been doing praying in the Spirit like I used to. I'm going to commit every day 15 minutes. 15 minutes. When I was a kid in high school, I I made a commitment that I thought I could keep pretty easily. I told God, God, I'll give you five minutes every day. 
How many people think you can probably do that? I'll give you, I'll give you five minutes every day. I spend at least five minutes reading the Bible. Five minutes. Now, some days I will tell you, some, some days, all right, five minutes. <laughs> as soon as that five minute hit, I mean, I was done. I had other things to do, whatever it might be, but there was, there was days that it just turned on that five minutes. I just went on for half hour, went on for an hour and just kept reading. That one commitment I made to spend five minutes with God in high school led me to the point that by the time I graduated from high school, I had read the Bible cover to cover five times. I never increased that commitment. I never said, well, you know what? I'm going to give you an hour. I never said anymore. You see, the idea is just to be before him each day. Make that commitment. I am going to pray in the Spirit. I'm going to pray in the Spirit to give thanks. I'm going to pray in the Spirit to intercede. I'm going to pray in the Spirit to build myself up. I'm going to pray in the Spirit. Whatever it is that you're going to pray in the Spirit for, just commit yourself. I'm going to do this. And just see what happens in the results for you. You're going to stir yourself up spiritually. If you're not, you haven't gotten there yet, you haven't been prayed for to receive that, come on up here to the front. We'll lay hands on you. And you will receive. That's what the Word of God says. But if you already got this going on in your life, make that commitment. I'm going to spend time each day praying in the Spirit. Father God, I thank you for the wonderful gift of praying in tongues. That gift overflows even into a gift that you have given to the body of Christ. And there are times that a message is given in tongues that is interpreted. A message that you have sent right to people to hear a message from you. We thank you for it. But I thank you for the mysteries that we can pray through the Holy Spirit each and every day. And we can build ourselves up on our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. What a wonderful way to live out our Christianity. To live out our spirit-filled life and to be empowered. We give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.